When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. REMAX agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Gosh, Lord, I think you've you've intentionally placed me on this journey almost in preparation for this moment because I don't know that I would have been in the same place. And so my hope and my desire and my dream for our little girl, her name's Emmy, Emmy Jane, my desire for Emmy is that she would grow up in a church culture that honors her, that loves her, that sees her made fully in the image of God. And because she's fully made in the image of God, that she's able to exercise her giftings in the most fruitful and flourishing ways that God would have for her. And that she wouldn't have to have an uphill battle like so many other women have had. Life is a journey and most of it is spent in the in-between, in the middle places. But every once in a while, you find yourself on the other side of something. These are the stories we are telling here. We believe that stories change the world, and we hope that when you hear stories of lives changed, obstacles overcome, lives broken, lives mended, and hope found, you'll actually see yourself in their stories. Now more than ever, we need each other, and we need each other's stories. This is On the Other Side. Hey there, we're the hosts of this show. I'm Jamie. And I'm Aaron. And on today's show, I sit down with Joel Middlemolly. Joel serves as the Director of Theology and Ministry Products at Proverbs 31 Ministries. And prior to Proverbs 31, Joel worked at Faith Life Corporation. They make the incredible software called Logos Bible Software. And as a national conference presenter speaking at over 30 conferences, he did over 100,000 miles of travel per year. That's a lot of travel per That's year. That's a lot of travel. Joel has also served as a pastor, and he's married to the love of his life, Brittany, and they have three handsome sons, Liam, Levi, and Lucas, and one beautiful little girl, Emilia. So I was really looking forward to talking with Joel. I met him at a conference that we were both a part of several years ago, and the dude is just brilliant and has such a heart for ministry and for the church. So we dive into what his career looks like for him as a man who's working at an almost completely women-led organization. Of course, we tackle things like women and leadership within the church, but I think you're going to be really inspired to hear what he has to say. I was jealous I didn't get to join you guys for this conversation. Here's Joel on the other side of women in leadership. Let's start with Joel telling us what exactly he does to be able to speak about this conversation. 
Yeah, um, it's super exciting. I get to serve, uh, I guess the title would be Director of Theology and Research. And so I kind of came on almost four and a half years ago, coming on five, where I bring oversight to the theological development of the ministry. And then uh, my time is somewhat split also with uh, Lisa Turkhurst, our president. Um, She's got books and Bible study projects that she writes. And so I get to just step in and help think through biblical topics, themes, scriptures, dig into the historical context, the original languages. And so we have kind of a group of us, probably four of us, that uh, we say our favorite days are study days. And we sit around a farmhouse table and we just literally open up God's Word and uh, begin to dig in and see uh, what He would have for us. So um, that's kind of what my, my days look like. How long have you been there? Um, so we're just going on five years. So relocated from sh- the Chicagoland area and moved to Charlotte and been with the ministry for coming on five years now. And you guys are putting out a ton of resources, aren't you? Yeah, it's it's insane. Um, so like Proverbs puts out one of the, the things that I work on uh, most specifically is a thing called experience guides. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have, we have an app called First Five App. And the idea, uh, it's actually a brilliant idea that Lisa had of kind of what would happen if we exchanged whispers with God before shots with the world in the morning. And come on, I mean, oh man, that's like, that's revolutionary. Like that's it crazy is, for that me, is revolutionary. You know? <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> I wake up like the first thing that typically happens is I get up in the morning and I open up my phone and I've got shouts that are coming at me via oh Twitter gosh. or Instagram or Facebook, yep. Um, yep. text messages from my kids who are upstairs and somehow they figured out Siri can actually talk to me via my phone. <laughs> That's stressful. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. I might go back to sleep. Uh, so oh, man. yeah, so that was the big idea. And so basically for what we've done is we said, hey, let's go through every book of the Bible. Let's handle it kind of exegetically. So verse by verse, um, we hit a chapter and then we pick out a key verse. And so we just dig in. We have a great group of writers. So I bring some of the theological oversight in terms of um, the editing for the daily teachings that come out. But my real project that I work on is a thing called the experience guides. We recognize a lot of people, they just don't have access to commentaries or original language resources. And so we put out an experience guide for every study. So if we're going through the book of Isaiah, which we're going through right now, Uh, We have an experience guide that gives you the historical background. Who is the prophet Isaiah? Why is he writing? Who are the people? Uh, And then for every day of your study, we have kind of personal uh, devotional questions that you can engage with. And so, I mean, we'll do anywhere between five to eight of those a year. And so it's, yeah, that's just one little tiny aspect. That's one. That's one project. Yep. Uh, man, Jamie and I have such a deep respect for um for what you guys do for Lisa for Proverbs thirty one and the amount of resources you guys put out is phenomenal. But even just like the the quality and the spiritual depth, like the theological depth to it, is is so beautiful, man. So rich, and you know, I just I think it's amazing, man, that you are you're doing that. You're using your gifts in that ministry, and I'm I'm just intrigued, man, by the fact that you're the only you're the only guy on this staff. That's right. So, it, so I'm the only guy that's not in the technology side of it. Um, okay. And, okay. And if you could see me, like obviously y'all might be hearing me, and you just heard me say y'all, so you may have a mental picture of who I may be. Uh, it may be a <laughs> Caucasian dude from the south, but I'm actually right with cowboy hat with on cow- and boots. That's right. Uh, <laughs> You may be sh- not, that's not you. Nah, you may be shocked to find out I'm an Indian guy. 
uh, and uh, born and raised in the Chicagoland area. My grandparents are missionaries from India. Uh, and so it's kind of funny when people seem to be like, hey, so are you in like uh, a developer on the IT team? And I'm like, nah, I mean, yeah. you know, <laughs> I've got a lot of family and friends who are developers. And, oh my you know, God. Um, yeah. But no, I'm the theology guy. And so we actually have, I'm, I was guy number uh, four, I think it was. We've got three guys um, that are kind of our in-house okay. uh, tech team. And uh, I'm guy number four. But I mean, we're looking at a ministry, uh, gosh, I think we're at almost 55 uh, people. So four out of, um, four dudes out of 55 gals. And uh, we're holding it down. 55. Yeah. Unbelievable, man. Yeah. Was there was there a time? I mean, you're you're now at this thriving ministry, loving what you're doing. Was there a time where that would be abnormal for you to be in a in a primarily like female led organization? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Aaron, I would have never in my wildest dreams thought that I would be sitting here uh, today on a podcast with y'all talking and being a part of a women's ministry and being a guy in it. I actually thought. I mean, my my educational background. I, did undergrads in biblical studies and theology and MDiv. I'm a PhD candidate right now in theology. So I always mm. thought I would be either in the, the academic space and maybe pastoral ministry. And right. so that, I mean, God's journey uh, that he's taken me on is absolutely epically different from what I had imagined for myself. And never in my wildest dreams did I think that I would be working for a primarily women's ministry. Like that would right. have been out of right. the field. You know, I'm so curious. There's a lot of theological conversations out there that are going on where, you know, there's a stream of thought that's like, women should not lead men in any capacity. Women shouldn't be police officers. Women shouldn't be mayors or CEOs. Was your perspective? What is it now? Has there has there ever been a change or have you always leaned to the, this kind of theology that women should be leading, women should be thriving in ministry? Yeah. I mean, so I think that there are these classic uh, maybe categories or terms, uh, you know, these uh, there's like the complementarian position, there's the egalitarian position, there's the um, hierarchical kind of position. Uh, and so complementarian, just as, as basic definition that man and woman are, are equal in terms of their identity mm-hmm. and their value, but they have complementary roles. And so the types of roles that they may engage in, particularly when it comes to the church, would be specific to connect to their gender and maybe exclusive in some aspects in regards to their gender, a egalitarian egalitarian role is now when women and men are equal in both identity and in function like they can do everything and anything uh together a woman can do anything that a man can do and a hierarchical approach is like the far opposite side like women can't do anything and it's all uh men led uh, and men done and so i guess traditionally i would fall in the complementarian camp and mm-hmm. i uh, i have shifted man uh quite a bit in terms of how i understand what the text, what Paul is talking about in terms of the role of uh, man and woman from his argument all the way back in Genesis. Um, and yeah. so I, I have come uh, kind of afar from a very strict um, men can only be pastors, women can't be pastors. They have complementary roles in terms of function, but women are not allowed to teach, uh, especially not teach men in mixed uh, mm-hmm. rooms. And so I have changed quite a bit from earlier positions. Right. And still finding space in that lane of being complementarian? Yeah, yeah. So I would still very much consider myself complementarian. 
but I would consider myself, I think there's, there's some interesting phrase, phraseology that's being used today. Um, there's generous complementarian. There's another phrase called like a soft, yeah, a soft yeah. complementarian. Soft complementarian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm going to land there. In fact, I'm reading an incredible book. I think Jamie is, was, is actually reading it or has been reading it. It's called uh, Neither Complementarian Nor Egalitarian. Yes. We're both reading that book right Listen, now. Listen, I, and I, it's phenomenal. unbelievable. And I think that is really where I'm, where I'm landing. I think there is a different way to consider what's taking place in the historical context with Paul and the local church. Um, and I yeah. think that we're actually yeah. missing a lot of what's taking place in the Garden of Eden. And so when Paul makes an argument back for um, the creation kind of uh, arrangement in terms of leadership, I look at Genesis 1 and 2, and I see Adam and Eve as co-heirs and co-vice regents representative of mm. God. And, mm. I, and yeah. I'm going to... Yeah dig a little bit, I think it's because we've lost the idea of what the image of God actually is. There are some that may say the image of God is broken, and I would disagree. I actually don't think the image of God is broken at the fall. I think humanity is broken at the fall. Mm. And so I see the image in terms of status and standard. We have this the the standard that after the fall, we're not able to meet as image bearers, uh, and that's why we need Jesus. But the status, the actual being made in the likeness and image of God is not lost, nor can it be broken. And so if Paul's yeah, making yeah. an argument yeah. all the way back to the Garden of Eden, I think we have to really consider what was God's expectation for both Adam and Eve uh, in the commission to multiply, to go out, to guard, to keep, and to essentially multiply his glory throughout the ends of the earth. Man, that's so good. And going back to something you said, just kind of at the beginning of that, things are so polarized right now in our culture. You are either Republican or Democrat. You are either pro this or anti this. And that has definitely crept into our theology. And in conversations that Jamie and I have about this specifically with women in leadership, it feels like it's either one or the other. It's either women can lead and you know hear me roar, or it's <laughs> women should be totally silent and never ever speak or lead anything. How have you found like that balance in the middle? You know, reading books like you're reading and wrestling through theology. Are there practical kind of measures that you've made? I mean, you're married to a woman, mm-hmm. you have a daughter on the way, yeah. you're surrounded by women all the time. Are are there things that have helped you like kind of not rest in one of those polarized kind of Ends? Yeah, I, I would say the biggest one is is my experience, uh, and I think I, I reflected back. One of my friends, um, Elise Fitzpatrick, she uh, actually asked a question a, a while back, and was like, "Hey, Joel, you've been through lots of education, you know, like from undergrad all the way down yeah. to doctoral work." And she was like, "Have you ever had a, a female professor?" And and to be mm. honest, bro, like my heart broke because I went all the way absolutely. through every every and, and but the thing is like junior high and high school, absolutely, that was very normative. Yes, you know? Yes. But once I got right. into Bible right. college and into university and into seminary, there was a significant void of a female voice in the area of theological mm. development mm. and training. And then I find myself smack in the middle of a women's ministry where our president, Lisa, is one of the most phenomenal Bible teachers I've ever sat under. And so Agreed. it's yep. funny because people are like, oh man, you get to kind of teach Lisa and and, the, and I'm like, actually, it's a very equitable. In fact, I think she's teaching <laughs> yes. me way more yes. because often yep. she'll yep. be like, hey, Joel, that's great, 30000 
thousand feet. And I and I love the Bible theology words, but can you help me understand what that actually means? <laughs> like when you mm, say right, uh, right. justification, or like what does that actually mean, and why should we care about these things? And so the other thing that Lisa has done for me has she's taught me to consider the the the, the human context. It's easy for theologians and academics or pastors, Bible teachers, to just stick with the text and live in this kind of theological space and miss mm. the transition of, oh my goodness, there's a human reality behind this. Right. And right. we can't right. uh, like subvert it. We can't make the human reality the primary thing and then go into the biblical text. It's the opposite way, but you can't ignore it uh, completely as well. And so I think that experience of the last four and a half years, I think I've gotten more in my theological development, my love and affections for the King, for King Jesus. Like that has yes. happened as a result yeah. of sitting under some incredibly godly women. I think of another dear friend of ours, Wendy Blight, who um, has taught me how to pray. I didn't learn these things in seminary. And I don't know, right. Aaron, if this is just a guy thing, but like for me, I don't get prayer that well. Like it's, it's easier for me to dig into the Greek and Hebrew than it is for me to sit right. and be like, hey, let me have an intimate conversation with God. Right. It's hard enough with my wife right. sometimes. She's like, dude, I just right. need you to talk to me and not try to solve things, you know? Absolutely. And so being able to sit underneath these godly women and to be able to learn from them um, has been a game changer for me. And so it has been experiential. And then I go into the text and then it, I, I see things I didn't consider. You see um, Phoebe, who's a deaconess, who's given a responsibility to carry maybe Paul's most important letter, you know, letter to the Romans. Right. That's right. And, yep. you know, when you understand the context behind it, you say, oh, she probably doesn't just carry it but she's probably teaching it. She has to read it out to people and, and kind of explain it because she's going to represent a little bit of what Paul is trying to get at. And we miss some of that if we don't consider uh, kind of holistically what's taking place. So I think that experience of sitting underneath these godly women has been a total game changer for me. Man, I love how you put that. We miss something if we don't have women teachers. You know, like I remember um, in college, I went to Houston Baptist University and I mm-hmm. uh, had an amazing experience there. And I actually had a, a female professor that was one of my favorite professors that I had ever had. She was not a professor in theology. All of the, the theology uh, professors were male. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, man, I, I would love to hear a different perspective on this. Do you, do you think like do you think there is a major gap that we could experience if we're not hearing from female teachers of the word, like just in our Christian faith and our love for the Lord and our understanding of his character and his attributes? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that uh, we're what we miss is a specific type of approach to the text that God has uniquely wired women to consider, to see, to um, to unpack, to digest. And I just think that's just, it's just interesting, again, if you take a step back and you say, oh, wow, there are phenomenal um, academic women teachers uh, that write books, right? Or even right. Bible teachers right. that, that right. are throwing out these amazing Bible studies. Um, but why is it that we can we can gain something from their writing, but we feel like we wouldn't get it from their physical presence or auditory teaching uh, within our spheres of of life. Like that's a disconnect, right? right? And so I think that that has to be bridged somehow Um, because yeah, absolutely. I think God has wired uh, women in a unique way to see the text that I'm not going to be able to see. That's why sitting in a group Bible study is always one of the most miraculous things to me because I can look at a text Mm -hmm. that I've seen the same way for 
however many years and I've got my wife or I've got a, a friend who's able to look at that text and, and see something different. And it's edifying to me. I see something. God is using that person in a special way to illuminate the text uh, that I wouldn't have by myself. That's right, man. That's right. And what you're saying, man, is not popular with every stream of like theological thought. Okay? No, I would and be so, getting some you- massive unfollows right now on my social media. I- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 BrandSpark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. I think that's, um, you know, it's something that Jamie and I get from time to time. And a lot of it is more of a question, you know, a, more of like a confusing sort of thing because it's different than maybe the context of the church that they're in. So I'm just curious, like on a personal level, if you scroll through Twitter, Instagram, anywhere online, you can see this is like a very, very heated debate. And mm-hmm. you've got theologians that are, you know, calling out Beth Moore uh, mm-hmm. in a very public and angry sort of way saying, go home. Right. What What do you personally do with that level, that intensity of like haters for this sort of conversation? How do you wrestle through that? What do you do with it? Um, I think this is probably a very active conversation that's taking place in my heart right now. I think it's a. I think God is sanctifying me and maturing me because honestly, in my past, I would want to fight back and attack back um, mm-hmm. and try to be like. You're not seeing the text well, but the more that I'm, I'm understanding and I'm trying to listen and hear where the other positions are coming from, the more I'm realizing that, well, if we look at church history, this has been a thing that has been debated. It's like the Arminian and Calvinist uh, kind right, of position, predestination right. and free will, right? These things yes. have been going on forever. So it's I not think, a new, this is not a new debate. <laughs> it's not a new debate. It's just, I think the microphone is in an unprecedented space where things like Twitter and Instagram, and, and uh, it is exploding the conversation in ways that we would not have imagined in years right. past. Right. With that being said, I think that there is a personal conviction that I have where I want to really consider how is the real broken and hurting and unsaved world looking in on this, what I would call a family conversation. And mm. that is devastating Man. to me yep. to consider yep. that like, I don't know how the Facebook algorithm works or Instagram, but I do know that if I comment on somebody's thing and I'm not friends with somebody else, those people that they're friends with that I'm not friends with can see that comment because Instagram's like, oh, you might care about this. Yes, that's right, man. Multiplied impact of our words. So there's this one side of I'm just, I want to be cautious with how I interact with these things for the sake of a real broken world that is desperately in need of the gospel. 
And yet I feel a tension of, but we can't sit by silent and not engage a topic where what it has caused is the marginalization of women. I mean, this mm-hmm. conversation mm-hmm. expands even before we started recording, Aaron, we were talking about social justice issues and issues right. of racism and prejudice. Right. That is not a back then right. issue. It's a right now issue. And so it, That's right. it takes um, real care and charity in how we talk about these things in a way that is, I think, somehow winsome for the world that looks on and says, hey, there's something about the way that this family of God can actually disagree and fight, and yet they have unity in the midst of diversity and not demand unity and uniformity. And if we can somehow manage that tension, I think we're getting closer to what Jesus's intention is for the body of Christ. Man, I love that. And I actually saw something you posted on Instagram. I think it was maybe yesterday. You were talking about a lot of questions that that people are having, whether it's mm-hmm. politics, how to deal with issues, um, theological issues, personal issues. And you said, I think underneath these questions is another very important question. How do we disagree as Christians? Yeah, Bro, when I read that, I was like, yes, that's it. it it's not that we shouldn't disagree or shouldn't debate about certain topics, but it's the how part that I think looks so gross to the onlooking world. Yeah. So what is the way forward? Um, I think the way forward is that we are um, both hearers of the word and doers of the word. And I think it's an easy cliche thing to say, but it's a much more difficult thing to do. Um, And so how can we, um, how can we challenge presuppositions? How can we challenge ideas that I have grown up believing a certain way because of my theological camp or the church that I went to or denomination Mm -hmm. that I went to? And how can I now approach the text in a way that says, listen, for, for this issue, and this is what I had to do as I've been navigating through, where do I stand in terms of this issue? I've had to put those things aside and I want to look at the text with new eyes. And I think it's only the spirit of God that can actually do that for us, that can um, help us demarcate these two things. Look at the text in a new way and then ask the spirit to illuminate what does this actually mean? And here's just a challenge that I would have for for people that have uh, felt like no, I've, I'm strictly complementarian. I'm only in this boat. Um, would you consider what would happen if you did read or listen to um, a gal who preaches and teaches God's word? Yes. Yeah. And, and yep. do it with without any of the baggage, but just right. do it with just listen. Like, just listen. Just listen and open your Bibles and take notes and in. And ask the spirit to to give you guidance in terms of where where this is going to go. And I'm going to just I just really strongly convictionally believe that it will be a game changer mm-hmm. for you because yeah. you will yeah. see the depth and the beauty of the gospel right. in a way that you typically could not. Like I can preach a text and Lisa can preach a text and you're going to get something totally different. Not because we're we're doing something totally different, but God has wired Lisa as a female Bible teacher in a particular way. And God has uh, wired me as a a man, a male Bible teacher in a particular way. And both of those things are good. Mm. And both of those Mm -hmm. things need to be considered. So I would just maybe make that practical challenge. So there's some people listening, man, that as you're saying that are nodding their head, like, yes, yes, yes. And then there's some that are, that are struggling with that. Why do you think that is hard? What is that pushing up against? Oof, that's a good question. Um, I think 
one of the things of why that's hard. Okay, I'll just share it with myself. <laughs> you yeah. know, one thing that was really hard for me, Aaron, is if I now prescribe to or I believe this thing, particularly in the area of women in leadership. Mm-hmm. Well, is this the the straw? I always mix up metaphors. It's like the straw that yeah. unravels the <laughs> whole thread. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. not a straw. Yeah, it's, it's a thread. <laughs> It's a string, whatever. It's the it's thread the, that breaks the camel's back. It's the thread that breaks no, the camel's back. Yeah, exactly. Is it like, is this the, like, if I'm, because I'm kind of a logical person. So if I follow this thing out, mm-hmm. is it going to unravel yep. like a lot of other things? And then what are the implications of those things? And again, I think there's a, there's a, there's something beneath that. And for me, it's control. Hmm. It's the sense that, huh, I think I can control even my perception and my conviction of who God is, if I can just have him sit in this neat box. And and I always, Mm. one of my favorite things to say is like, we have to move away from viewing God as a genie in a bottle. And I don't say that because I'm Indian and you're thinking Aladdin and a whole new world and all like, like legitimately, like God is not our genie in a bottle and we can't just rub it and have, you know, three, three wishes from him. Um, and so this means that, yeah, there might be an area that we have to reconsider, but that is going to directly impact our desire for control and underneath control is yeah. probably idolatry. We want God and we want these things to live within our terms and our means. And if those things go, now we have to live in a place of humility and really be open to what does this actually look like now uh, in light of this truth that I've come across and so I think that's probably what makes it so difficult yeah, yeah, is yeah. the impact multiplied if you really believe this. That's good, man. As you and your wife, you know, you're expecting your fourth kid, a girl. Mm-hmm. What What is your hopes for what the church and even the conversation will look like when she's, you know, in her 20s? Yeah. So, you know, we have three little boys right now under the age of eight and Aaron Listen, I was 1000% convinced that this fourth uh, child was going to be a boy. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're just like, we're, we're a boy family. It's all good. My wife is a boy mom. It's all good. And when we, we didn't do like the whole, you know, find out before. So we did this dart where you, the balloon pops and you get the dust or whatever. Yeah. And it was pink. <laughs> yes. And I actually have on my Instagram feed, I have the video of us like le- legitimately finding out for the first time. Oh and my gosh. if you look, if you zoom in, Lisa actually zoomed in on my face. Like that shock is 1000%. shock and awe. <laughs> it's, I mean, I don't think there was even awe in that moment, to be honest. It was just shock. It's just shock. And I, and I just went to like, you know, 20, 30. I'm like, I, uh, you know, but I also know that God is sovereign. And this is, again, a means of my sanctification. He's going to use this to make me more like him. But it also really did make me consider, gosh, Lord, I think you've you've intentionally placed me on this journey, um, almost in preparation for yeah. this moment, oh, because man. I don't. I don't know that I would have been in the same place. And so my hope and my desire and my dream for our little girl, her name's Emmy, Emmy Jane. Beautiful. My my desire for Emmy is that she would grow up in a church culture that honors her, that loves her, that sees her made fully in the image of God. 
And because she's fully made in the image of God, that she's able to exercise her giftings in the most fruitful and flourishing ways that God would have for her. And that she wouldn't have to have an uphill battle like so many other women have had. You know, I can imagine, I mean, Lisa's told me some some stories of stepping into a Bible teaching and um, having basically all the guys get up and leave. Oh my goodness. You know? Can you imagine like leading worship and just, you know. Yep. Half the room leaving. Yeah, the parting of the Red Sea or something. It's just like, oh, I'm gone. Without without hearing anything. Yeah. And that's my hope. Just my presence being up on the platform Mm -hmm. and causing half the room to leave. I'm sure Jamie can write a book about her experiences on this. And so my hope and prayer is that Emmy would, would be able to stand on the shoulders of these phenomenal women that have come before her. And our church would be would have a soft heart uh, to be able to lovingly call women, little girls, little boys to the the place that God has desired for them without it having to be an uphill battle. Mm, because we yeah, see evidence yeah. after evidence after evidence of women teaching, of women sharing, women leading from the Old Testament clear in throughout That's the right. New Testament. You can't get away from that. No. Man, well, I'm so thankful for the conversation. And again, um, just thankful for what you guys do as a ministry. And this conversation is so fascinating to me. I think having a wife that I'm so proud of that leads so powerfully and strongly, you know, has has really caused me to really want to be an advocate for this and to prop up and elevate as much as I possibly can. And so I just, man, I'm, I'm grateful for the conversation, fascinated by it. And uh, your perspective is, is really helpful for all of us. So thanks for what you do, man. Yeah, man. I think the only other thing, Aaron, I would say is there are certain things that are open-handed and closed-handed. And uh, this this conversation should not be something that divides the church. And it That's should right. not cause heartache and it should not cause division, destruction, um, or devastation. Like This should be a conversation that somehow causes us to come together, unified. And even if it means the end of the day that we don't see eye to eye, and we may even disagree, it should not hinder the witness of the gospel to the world. And so I would just, that would be my plea. Like you can listen to the end of this and be like, Joel, I totally disagree with you. And I would say, that's awesome. Let's still have coffee and let's hang out and let's talk about the goodness of God because all of those things can happen. And simultaneously we say, we actually disagree on this one aspect of the text. Well said, my friend. Thank you so much, bro. Appreciate it. Appreciate you, man. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 BrandSpark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. I 
really appreciate Joel coming on and talking about this. And obviously, this is a conversation, Jamie, that you and I talk about a lot in your role in ministry and being a leader and being somebody that travels around the country and preaches the gospel. And then also what we're trying to instill in our daughter's story and what it looks like for her to be a strong and faithful woman in the Lord and serving Him with whatever she has. So I love that Joel was able to talk about that. One of the things I love the most is he talked about this being not a dividing factor in the church. And I think both you and I have seen how dividing this conversation can be. Just the topic alone almost forces some people to choose A or B and not live anywhere in the middle. I agree. And I was so thankful that you guys had this conversation as well. I loved what Joel said for his daughter, and it was what we would desire for our daughter as well, that she would grow up in a church culture that honors her and loves her and that sees her made fully in the image of God. This is an important conversation, and I'm thankful to you, babe, for supporting me in the ministry that I get to do. If you guys don't follow Joel, be sure and do that. He's wicked smart and funny, and you can actually learn a lot of stuff just from following him on Instagram. Today's show was mixed and mastered by the team at Podshaper. The music was developed for the show by our friend Matt Graham. And On the Other Side is organized by Lindsay Sweeney. We're your hosts, Aaron and Jamie Ivey. You can find us on Instagram. I'm at Jamie Ivey. And I'm at Aaron Ivey ATX. And you can listen to my other podcast, The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey, wherever you listen to shows. Thanks, guys. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 Brand Spark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated.